Hello, I'm Joshua Groisberg, a history enthusiast. And I'm Jacob Friedman, founder of People's Big News. And this is Gen Zero's Talk Politics. This is where two members of the next generation of American adults talk about what's going on in the world. Since the whole world is on fire, we might as well take a crack at delivering some insightful analysis and maybe some comedy along the way. We'd like to welcome back David Delaney, our friend from New York. David, welcome to the show. Well, thanks. Thanks, Joshua. It's a pleasure to be back. So let's first discuss the ongoing pandemic. Cases are rising. The current seven-day average of cases has exceeded that of summer of 2020, although hospitalizations and deaths are still significantly lower. What should the Biden administration do to counter this rise in cases? In my opinion, everything is vaccination. Uh, we have to continue to make the argument to forward the vaccine. Um, I'm encouraged that vaccination numbers are up, but what's disturbing is that the vaccination numbers are up because people are scared of the surge of the Delta variant, uh, whereas I wish people were just willing to get these vaccines happily. And while I still, that's anybody getting the vaccine is good news, I really think it's important that we continue to make the argument for the vaccine. Uh, it works. It, it's in my opinion, it's a miracle of science that we were able to develop and distribute a vaccine starting in December for vulnerable populations, of course. But I think that's incredible that within a year, we had a working vaccine that not only works against the initial COVID strain, but also against the Delta variant. And um, we have the supply. It's about convincing people to get it. And if that means uh, encouraging businesses and employers to mandate vaccinations, or as the federal government is already doing and mandating vaccinations for their employees, then I'm all for it. So you're an advocate for vaccine mandates, right? Um, it depends on the circumstances. I wouldn't say across the board because the idea of mandating any kind of bodily intrusion, even if it's something as good, as important as vaccine, doesn't always sit right with me. But it, we have all kinds of conditions for employment in this country. And I don't see why a COVID vaccination, which has dramatic effect on your coworkers, couldn't be part of that. So yes. In many respects, I do support vaccine mandates. Well, on the topic of vaccine mandates, many Republican leaders in states like Texas and Florida, they've introduced legislation which outlaws vaccine passports and mandates. I mean, what do you think the rationale is for this? And what do you think will be the consequences? I can only imagine that the rationale is for um, Governor Abbott and Governor DeSantis's future presidential campaigns. Uh, and in my mind, there's no doubt that they're both planning to run for the Republican nomination in the near future. I think it's a, a perfectly sound strategy to them to appeal to voters by building up these anti-vaccine credentials. I banned the vaccine mandate. Vote for me. Um, I don't believe there's any scientific rationale behind this. I don't believe there's any sensible policy rationale behind banning a vaccine mandate, not only not implementing one, but banning private businesses and local governments from implementing their own. I can only imagine it's political gamesmanship which is, of course, disgraceful given the state of the Delta variant in both Florida and Texas, in which it is raging and hospitalizations are up and people are dying. The next question is a little off tangent, but kind of related to 2024 Republican presidential primaries. I mean, what do you think that'll look like? Because, I mean, do you believe that if Trump will run, do you believe that DeSantis and Abbott will just stand aside and let him win the nomination? Or do you think there'll be some serious contention for it? I'm not convinced that Trump will run. He's certainly a narcissist. I, I don't imagine he'd like to see the Republican Party move on from him. I don't imagine he'd want to see the center of gravity in the Republican Party move on from Trump. 
I don't think he has any kind of anointed successor. I think he's the kind of person who wouldn't really like someone like Ron DeSantis stealing his thunder. But if Trump does run, he will win the nomination. I don't see him losing the nomination. I don't see anyone beating him for the nomination. He is still immensely popular in the Republican Party. And he's certainly popular enough to win a nomination against a field of candidates. Whether or not DeSantis or Abbott would run if he ran, I can't say for sure. I think it's too early. But if Trump doesn't run, which I don't expect him to, then I really do think it's an open field. I think that DeSantis is definitely a strong candidate, as is Abbott. But I think DeSantis would be my, I bet on DeSantis for the Republican nomination if Trump doesn't run. But, you know, it's real early. Um, people thought Chris Christie would be the Republican nominee at this point when we were going up to the 2016 election. So I really think any, it's, it's anybody's race. To pivot back now to the pandemic, the Biden administration has recently allowed the COVID eviction moratorium to be extended. Um, why is this eviction moratorium so important and what would have happened if it was allowed to expire? Well, we have to remember that we are still in a pandemic. And while among the vaccinated, I don't believe there's any serious threat of death or um, serious um, illness, we still are in a pandemic and having people being evicted en masse uh, would certainly be problematic. Uh, if the eviction moratorium was allowed to expire at this point. That said, I do think eventually these kinds of emergency uh, measures will have to be allowed to expire, given that the economic recovery is in full swing, while there are still issues with the economy that I would like to see corrected, longstanding issues that predate the pandemic. We've gained a lot of the jobs back that we lost, uh, and the unemployment rate is back in, um, not normal, but to, I'll say typical territory. Uh, so eventually, I think you're going to have to give um, property owners uh, some of those everyday operating procedures back again. Uh, well, certainly, I think that we need to work to support tenants in this country from rising rents and from um, unf unjust and unfair evictions. Things like the eviction moratorium, which was introduced as an emergency measure, will have to be allowed to expire at some point. They're emergency measures. Emergency measures can't last in perpetuity. And also, besides the administration extending the eviction moratorium, the patient's infrastructure bill is currently awaiting a vote in Congress. Do you believe it'll pass? And how watered down do you think the bill was to get limited bipartisan support? Well, we have to remember there are two infrastructure bills being debated in Congress right now. There is the, um, the infrastructure bill with the support of Senators Portman and Collins and Murkowski and, and a few others, the bipartisan infrastructure bill, which is about a trillion dollars in new spending on roads, bridges, pumps, uh, dams, um, electrical lines, satellites, and all kinds of physical infrastructure. And then there's the $3.5 trillion in the American Families Plan, which is supported just by Democrats. Uh, which is a lot of new spending on childcare and expansion of Medicare and expanding and funding all those New Deal and Great Society programs that have been allowed to um, decay over the last 40 years. So as for the bipartisan bill, it's a good bill. I think it will pass uh, with bipartisan support. It seems that there is consensus around what they've written, which is absolutely a good thing. But I would also very much like to see that the American Families Plan pass. It has the strong support of millions of American workers, and obviously the Biden administration and many of, of, in my opinion, some of the best Democrats in the U.S. Senate and the U.S. House who have worked very hard on this piece of legislation, which I believe would be one of the most, possibly the most important piece of economic legislation since the Great Society. So do I think that will pass? 
that's more, less certain, I think. I'm very much hoping it does. I'm very much hoping that people contact their office holders to get that thing passed because it's of extreme importance that we keep those programs running, that we it includes expansion of Medicare for dental and eyesight and for hearing. It almost included a reduction in the Medicare eligibility age to 55, but compromises had to be made. So perhaps it is watered down. I know that Senator Sanders was proposing a $6.5 trillion bill, but I think that was a negotiating pivot to reduce it down to the current $3.5 trillion. I think they need to get Cinema and Manchin on board for that, though, uh, both of them who are far more moderate than the rest of the caucus. Uh, I think they can, though. I think that with President Biden being so enthusiastic about it and believing it to be central to his economic agenda, that he will work to pass it. I can't tell you what, if it will look the same as it does now, though. I don't know if that's the case. I want to move on to an, um, your home state of New York, where Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams has secured the Democratic nomination for mayor of New York. He was very heavily favored to win the election. You know, and this was definitely a huge blow to progressives in New York City to have a moderate who kind of won on the back of being tough on crime. I mean, how do you think progressives are reacting to this? And what do you think progressives in New York City should do next? Well, I was disappointed that Eric Adams won the mayoral primary. I was active in that race for a brief period of time, and I withdrew for reasons that I won't delve into. But I was disappointed. I think Eric Adams is very corrupt. And I think the New York Times did a very important expose on his ties to real estate. And I think he's made it clear to the people of New York City and to anyone who will listen that he is an egomaniac who's in it for himself. He goes around saying he's the face of the Democratic Party. He really does think he's all that. And he doesn't mind if you know. He's in it for himself. I think he's got a horrendous record. Uh, He said very nasty things about interracial relationships in the past. He has a very suspect relationship with Luis Farrakhan in the past. He was one of the few people to vote against an expulsion of, I believe, a fellow state legislator or city council member who slashed his wife's face, though I don't recall the details on that, but I know he was on the abysmally wrong side of that discussion. So I don't think he was the right man to lead New York City, but he won and people need to acknowledge why he won and how we can defeat him. It is absolutely true that New York City has a violent crime problem. And while this is actually, to best of my knowledge, murders are down recently, it is absolutely a problem. And I believe a lot of the left in New York City was in denial about that. And they were in denial about the causes of that. Well, I believe that the current economic unhappiness is a large part of that crime issue. A lot of the crime, and I believe that most, a lot of crime can be traced back to fundamental economic problems of opportunity and of uh, social mobility. The immediate pressing concern for most New Yorkers was for their neighborhoods to be safe. They believe in fixing our economy. I absolutely believe New Yorkers are receptive to progressive economic solutions. But the most immediate need for many New Yorkers, especially New Yorkers of color, was for their neighborhoods and communities to be safe. Eric Adams talked about that actively. Well, I believe many of Eric Adams' public safety uh, policy proposals are misguided. He talked about it in a way that most other candidates didn't and some of whom were deeply out of touch on that issue. Well, I wasn't a big fan of any of the candidates running for a variety of reasons, but Eric Adams will be the next mayor of New York City. I wait to see what he'll do. I'm not at all enthusiastic, but I will say that if the left wants to win in New York City, they have to pair what I consider to be the very important economic proposals of inequality regarding inequality and regarding taxes, 
regarding really the tale of two cities that Mayor de Blasio talked about when he um, ran for office in the first place. And they have to pair that that thinking with an immediate concern for the public safety and 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 crime that most New Yorkers have. And I think much of the left was unfortunately out to lunch on that. With regards to Governor Andrew Cuomo, um, the New York Attorney General, Letitia James, has issued an extensive report documenting how uh, Governor Cuomo has sexually harassed multiple women. How do you think this will affect his current political career? I've made no secret that I can't stand Governor Cuomo. Uh, I think he's an egomaniac. I think he's a creep. I think he's corrupt. I think he woefully mismanaged the COVID crisis. And I thought that along, and I'll say, I will say that I, I've held that opinion for a lot longer than it's been the prevailing one. I, from like spring of 2020, I was saying Cuomo was not handling it well. I was not surprised by Letitia James's findings. I hope, I don't think anyone else should have been because we think we knew about this for a while. There were multiple stories. There was photo evidence. There was just like, this was not new. This was not shocking. I have seen encouraging reports that the Democrats in the state legislature are prepared to immediately remove him from office. But I've been let down before by Democrats in the state legislature and by New York politics in general. So I won't celebrate until he's been removed. And when he is removed, I will celebrate because I think, I believe New York State has passed a lot of important legislation under his tenure. I think that could have passed under another governor. I think Governor Cuomo has hampered a lot of that legislation through his enabling of the Independent Democratic Caucus, which partnered with Republicans in the state legislature to block the Democratic Party in New York. So... I look forward to the day when Governor Cuomo is out of office, and I hope his political career is over. <laughs> I can't say it more uh, simple than that. I mean, assuming he doesn't get impeached, assuming, you know, he's not brought on criminal charges and arrested, you've mentioned that, you know, you consider him arrogant. Do, do you think he'll still try to run in 2022, despite his extremely low popularity, assuming he has a chance to do that? Well, before uh, Attorney General James's findings, I was convinced that he will run for re-election. I didn't know if he would win, but I was convinced he would because of his dad. His dad, for those who don't know, Governor Mario Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo's father, uh, ran for a fourth term in 1994 and was defeated by Republican George Pataki. So it's always been uh, Andrew's ambition to win that fourth term. If he's not removed, if the Democrats in the legislature fail us yet again, then I believe he will run. <laughs> I think he's an egomaniac. I think he's made that clear. He loves the spotlight. He loves attention. I absolutely think he'd, he'd delude himself into thinking he, he should run again. I don't think he'd win, but I, I wouldn't put anything past him. He's capable of a lot. I, I, do, I deeply hope he's removed from office, and if not, I hope Attorney General James throws her hat in the ring. I had the pleasure of speaking to um, Cuomo's Democratic challenger in 2014, uh, Zephyr Teachout, on this. And she said she ran against Letitia James for the attorney general's office in 2018 in the Democratic primary. And one of her criticisms, and I supported her in that race, was that um, Letitia James would be too close to Governor Cuomo. And I spoke to, uh, to Zephyr a few months ago, and she said that she was impressed with Attorney General James's conduct in the time that uh, Attorney General James has held her office, and she hopes that uh, Letitia runs for the office of governor herself. 
I, I told Zephyr she should run, but she said absolutely not. <laughs> that it should be Letitia. And I um, I couldn't think of anyone else at this point. I think Attorney General James would win, and I think she'd be a better governor and a better human being. And finally, is there anything else you'd like to tell our viewers? Well, um, I was telling you about this, but I'm, I'm moving to Vermont for school uh, this month, and um, I've always been a follower of Vermont politics, and I'm looking forward to participating in those politics once I get there, and uh, hopefully telling you all about it at that point. Well, David, we wish you the best of luck in Vermont, and thank you so much for joining us here today. It's been a, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much, Joshua. I enjoy it every time. that concludes this episode of Gen Zero's Talk Politics. Be sure to join our Discord server, follow us on Instagram at Gen Zero's Talk Politics, and on Twitter at Gen Zero's Talk Poly, with an I, and add or email us to ask your burning questions. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you next time. <laughs>